Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in for Bearcat Rewind. Northwest Missouri State basketball is finally back. This season gets underway Thursday with women's basketball against Northeastern State. The men's opener comes on Saturday at Rogers State. They were also set to play the Riverhawks Thursday, but some COVID-19 cases within the Northeastern program forced that game to be postponed, so it will be made up on December 31st. But regardless, having games back right now is huge after having the NCAA tournament wiped out last year, and it's just been kind of a drag of a spring, summer, and fall to this point. So this should be a lot of fun. And for the Bearcat men's team, expectations are high. Northwest went 31-1 last year, and they were picked as the unanimous number one atop the NABC Division II preseason poll. So for episode number 53 of the podcast, we're talking with Wayne Cavati. He's an authority on NCAA Division II basketball. You can find his content on NCAA.com. This is a good conversation looking at the Bearcats, but also glancing around the country at other programs trying to make a run at a title. A Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association, as well as the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. And also Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. Today's conversation with Wayne Cavati looks at the Bearcats' big three, sleepers in the MIAA and around the country, and what the NCAA tournament could look like this spring. Let's dive into this week's episode of Bearcat Rewind. The college basketball season is finally back. Northwest Missouri State opening up this week. The women taking on Northeastern State Thursday, then a doubleheader in Claremore, Oklahoma on Saturday as the Bearcats take on Rogers State. The women at 1.30, the men following at 3.30. And we're talking D2 basketball now with Wayne Cavati. He writes for NCAA.com. You can find all of his stories covering NCAA Division II basketball there on the men's side. And a lot of Northwest Missouri State coverage over the last few years because... The Bearcats are winning a lot of games and winning championships. Wayne, we appreciate you coming on. It's hard to believe that we're finally at this point that we're talking about actual games happening. I know, I know. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. I mean, I know the last time we spoke was right on the the eve of the selection show, and um, obviously we haven't got to talk a lot of a lot of basketball or sports since then. So I'm just excited to be back and talking with you um, about you know MIAA basketball. And that was so hard. We were, I mean, we were that close to getting that regional tournament in at least around the country for for each different side. But here at Northwest, hosting once again, and uh, that Bearcat team, thirty-one and one, as they got through the MIAA tournament championship and won it once again, uh, but then shut down due to COVID nineteen. So we lost some seniors from that squad here at Northwest Missouri State. But you're still returning some really really good basketball players. Five of the top scorers are back here at Northwest. That includes. Ryan Hawkins, Trevor Hudgens, and Diego Bernard. So I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of fun basketball in Maryville this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I'm excited about it. I've, I've, got, to, I've got to watch a lot of Bear Camp basketball um, up close. And, um, you know, Hudgens may be the best all-around player in D2. Um, I've spoken and written about, I, I just think Diego is one of the most um, – He's he's just one of those exciting players to watch, and he may be one of the most fun players to watch. And then you have Hawkins, who's um, you know just one of the more fundamentally sound players. And if that's your big three, that a lot of teams are in trouble, you know. But um, and like you said, that five of the top six scorers are back. You go beyond those three big names, which 
you know, D2 basketball people in the know, they, they know those names, but you, you look at, uh, Luke Waters, who led the team, I believe he led the team in field goal percentage last year. And then the last time we saw, uh, Wes, um, he went for, he had that huge game against, um, Missouri Southern. He had like 18 or 20 points in the, in my double championship game. So it's not just about those three players with, um, the Bearcats. And of course, we know there's freshmen <laughs> coming in that are, that are ready to step up because that just seems to be, the 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 cycle coaches has created there that he just finds these guys that step in and play and I'm really excited to see what they can do this year. Well, you talk about the, that depth and and we had Coach McCollum on the the Bearcat Coaches Show earlier in the week and he kind of talked about a lot of times I don't want too much depth. He's like I want to play seven eight guys and kind of cap it at that. But with COVID nineteen, you don't know if someone might be quarantined because of close contact in a class or or what might happen. So now all of a sudden you might open it up to where Ben might have 12 guys that get minutes um, throughout the season and, and steadily just because of our guys being traded in and out. And so that'll be an interesting dynamic to see how that is balanced. And, and is that going to hurt teams' resumes as we get closer to the NCAA tournament because you have a couple big scores out, you go through a rough patch. I mean, that's, that's just kind of a tough hand that someone's going to be dealt at some point this year. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with you. And, um, you know, the, the NABC poll has been released and, and over the past weekend, I, I released my preseason power 10 at NCAA.com and I very heavily weighed teams, um, highly that had returners, um, not just starters all the way through. And it's because of exactly what you just said. You know, if you have that bench depth, um, returning, and knows how to play with the other people. I mean, you're just at a, at a huge advantage this year. And I think that will make some teams that are a little maybe more under the radar to others um, quite a bit stronger just from having um, that advantage of playing together a lot longer. So I think if you have a depth of returners, you know, and, and the Bearcats have five guys that know how to play very well together. Um, but, you know, there's other teams that are going to be I think a little bit better than others just because they have those two people they can go to and trust and, and gel with the people that are already on the court. You mentioned you put out your power 10 already. Plus the NABC top 25 came out earlier this week as well. No surprise. Northwest Missouri state at the top of both of those after what they're bringing back in the season that they just had. Were you surprised though, to see that the NABC was a clean sweep Northwest receiving all first place votes there? I, no, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't um, too surprising, um, you know. I mean, it. It's like we just said, you know. And when I when I talk to coaches and and SIDs before the season, one of the questions I always ask is, you know, if, if you know, like, who do you think are the best teams in, in D two basketball? Heading, who are you? Who's your stiffest competition? I mean, and without a doubt, I mean, Northwest is the first name everybody mentions, you know, and, and like we said, we talked about those big three, um, and they're not just the best on their team. They're not just the best in their conference. We're talking about three of the best players in all of D2 basketball, and they play on the same court. Um, and that's not taking away from teams like West Texas A&M, Lincoln Memorial, you know, and the others in the top 10. They are all very, very good, but, uh, Northwest is just, I, I, I feel like they're on their own level. And so this is a tough question, and I don't know if there is a way that you can answer it, and maybe we'll see it once they actually get out on the court. But the Bearcats last year, 
average 83 points per game, only give up about 63, shoot 46% from three-point range, 53 from the field, only seven turnovers per game a season ago. Can Northwest get better this year? Uh, I feel like I ask that every year, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm curious kind of what you're talking about with, um, obviously we've had a limited uh, preseason the way that it's been played. There's not been a lot of, you know, inner team um, or uh, conference scrimmages or or big time scrimmages. There was no Duke this year. (laughs) Um, But we jump right into conference play, right? So it's kind of like this double-edged sword. The teams know each other pretty well, but they haven't really had that time to practice. So, are we going to see games that are kind of more, you know, 100 to 90 finals as teams kind of settle in and get acclimated to playing that defense? Because we know these teams can score, um, and, and defense kind of comes secondary. So can the Bearcats get better offensively? I think absolutely. Um, if they could play that defense and, and shut down these teams that aren't as deep, um they could they could definitely be be uh, deeper, but I think it will be an interesting, um, definitely first month of the season to see how these teams um, come out of the gates and and how well adjusted they are with the the very different preseason that they've had. Well, here's a bit of a twist on it as well. In Northwest, you mentioned the Duke um, preseason game that we've seen in the past. They're they've been consistently in the small college basketball Hall of Fame Classic in St. Joseph and playing some other stiff non conference competition. So it's not like they go into a light schedule by any means on on any given right. occasion, but there are some other non-conference games that are a little bit lesser. But playing teams that know you right away in, these, in the conference, playing games that matter so much when teams are eyeing, um, you know, not only regional rankings but trying to win a conference championship, there's a little more at stake early on in the season. So hypothetically, you could say at the end of the year, well, Northwest is actually better this year than they were a season ago but it could be a two, three, four loss regular season because you're diving right in as opposed to playing some of those non-cons. Yeah, no, I mean, that's certainly a fair assessment. Um, you know, uh, I think the MIAA is, is um, a little more competitive. Well, again, I'm hoping, uh, based on what I'm reading and what I've heard, that it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more competitive. So there, it's like you said, that familiarity is there. So, you know, it's going to be, a little bit tougher, um, but you know, and I, I, I said jokingly just a little bit ago. I feel like I say that every season. You know, Justin Pitts goes away, and you wonder how they're going to respond, and then all of a sudden they're thirty-eight zero in uh, <laughs> winning the national championship. So um, I, it's it's just going to be fun to watch it all uh, unravel and, and see how these teams come out of the gates against against very tough competition that, like you said, it's kind of like the postseason's already beginning, <laughs> the way that they're, that they're jumping right into the conference schedule. Well, taking a quick glance around the MIAA right now, and uh, one of the teams that's in your Power 10 it, coming in at number 9 is Missouri Southern. Uh, they finished second in the uh, MIAA preseason coaches poll. They picked up one first-place vote because coaches can't vote for their own teams. Northwest picked up the other 13 first-place votes in the MIAA preseason coaches poll. Southern lost Kinder Lambert. Uh, they lost Elijah Clark, a couple other guards off that team. But Cam Martin's coming back. He's an NABC All-American. Before we went on, we talked about how good Winston DeSoso was, uh, a freshman last year from Baltimore, Maryland. 
So it feels like Jeff Boshi's still going to be bringing a lot of heat in the MIAA, and it's not going to be an easy out. Absolutely. Um, I believe they came in about number 20 or 21 um, on the NABC pool, and I, and I had them in the top 10. And they did lose those starters, um, but it's in, in large part to Cam Martin. Um, he's just one of those players that can take over a game. He's played Northwest big a couple times. Um, and, and he's just, he's so dominant, uh, obviously a player of the year candidate. Um, but I'm really interested. And as you mentioned, Desiso, I think he takes a, a big step, um, forward, uh, in, as a starter this year. But, uh, they picked up a couple transfers. And the one I'm really interested in is, um, RJ Smith. He started every game for Sam Houston State last year. Um, and, and he contributed. He played, very well uh so he's a big guy and he could score and i think he'll be a good addition to that team that kind of brings him a little bit more on the wing way while um cam martin can dominate on the inside so i'll be interested to see how he could mesh with the team and and, and get going northwest and missouri southern three classic games last year the bearcats pulled out all three we were hoping to see a fourth in the ncaa tournament but didn't quite get there so It'll be another interesting wrinkle into the rivalry coming up uh, as we get going into this season. Those teams will play in December. You look around the rest of the MIAA, uh, you mentioned it's more competitive, it feels like. Who else stands out to you? Um, well, you know, one thing I want to mention is uh, Zach Bacow. I have uh, I have a teammate writing with me uh, at NCAA.com this year, which is, is different. I'm not the, the only one... Um, talking to coaches and, 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 and looking at these rosters. So it's nice to have someone to um, talk about this with and see other ideas. And um, he wrote a really good article uh, last week about the five teams that could, you know, challenge uh, the Bearcats this year. And, and two of the teams that stood out that I agree with him on, um, I really like Washburn this year. They have um, a slew of returners and not just, uh, in the starting rotation all the way up and down. And as I mentioned earlier, I think that that plays to a big advantage to these teams early on in conference play, as you mentioned, with the uncertainty of, of who might miss time and, and who's not there. I think Tyler Guyman, um, he's, he's an all-MIA player, all-MIAA uh, player. I think he gets lost in the shuffle of stars that are already in the MIAA, and, and you don't realize how good he is, but he's a guy that could average, you know, 15 points, five rebounds, five assists a game. Um, they have all four start, uh, four of their five starters back from last year, and then Will McKee, who missed um, last season, uh, is back in the starting lineup th- this year. So they have five returning starters, um, and you can't just, you can't undervalue that. And then um, I was telling you a little bit about. Uh, Zach really likes Emporia State, and, and you even mentioned that that one game last year they they played really close until the Bearcats were able to pull away with it, and uh, they they started the season nine and five and got hit by the injury bug, and I think they lost twelve or thirteen of their last fourteen games. Um, but you know they have a lot of those returners coming back. They're big. Um, they have Mason uh, Season, who's six foot ten. Uh, Entering his sophomore year and probably claiming the starter uh, starting role in the in the middle of the paint and you know in D two basketball that kind of height is a, is a huge advantage so I think they're a team to keep on your radar and um, 
you know, we'll find out Roger State, they lost, they lost a ton of, they were very senior laden and, um, they had a great, uh, first year in the MIAA and they get to be put to the test right away on this opening weekend. So we'll see how they do. And then, um, we were talking a little bit about Missouri Western's coach and, and the resume he's, uh, built over the, the years. Um, you know, Will Martin, uh, he worked as the head manager for the uh, 2012 national champion Kentucky Wildcats. Moved on to Tulsa and worked with Danny Manning. Then moved on to San Francisco and, and worked with Rex Walters. And, and you're talking about very successful coaches. So uh, um, he, now he gets his chance in Missouri Western, who has a nice little team there. So we'll see what what he can instill upon them and how he um, translates to the MIAA as a head coach. That'll be another fun matchup, too, another December matchup for Northwest going to St. Joseph uh, here in just a few weeks. But you, know, you think about Missouri Western, Sundance Wicks was a bit of a character at times, but very charismatic and kind of put them back on the map with some big wins and playing better. Will Martin was his assistant, and, yeah, he's got such a good background. And um, they were kind of a yin and yang. He seemed like he was a little bit more laid back than Sundance was, and so now he's stepping into that, that head role. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how they pan out, as well as the rest of the MIAA, because there are a lot of good coaches and a lot of good teams around this conference. Whenever we look nationally, because long-term we're hoping to see Northwest Missouri State back in the NCAA tournament making another run, what other what happened to potent teams from a year ago? We were thinking about Lincoln Memorial, West Texas A&M as being some big challengers for Northwest um, if they got into the Elite Eight once again. How do those teams bounce back from a lost tournament, and, and what do their rosters look like? You know, I don't think anything has changed with West Texas A&M. Um, when we were in the last uh, Elite Eight in, in uh, Evansville, you know, they were led by the freshman uh, Grant and, and JoJo Murray, and those two are still amongst the best one-two punch in in basketball outside of Northwest, you know, and they're still leading the team. They have a lot of good uh, role players that understand their their position, and and Grant and Murray could take over, but they have these guys that do the dirty work and rebound and get the steals and and still could score, uh, contribute eight to ten points, you know. So they, they're they're an equally depth uh, deep team. They have a, a lot of returners. So, I mean, I think they're elite eight bound. Um, a, uh, quality of the team. You mentioned Lincoln Memorial. They were loaded last year. They were, I think, heading into that um, tournament. I think they were the biggest challenge for Northwest to overcome, and they've lost quite a bit. But in the same sense, the people that they are returning, you know, Cameron Henry is one of the best defensive players in all of D two basketball. Um, Devin Whitfield really came alive last year toward uh, at the end of the season, and and he's all American caliber type of player. So I, I think they're still right there, and then you know it's a bunch of a bunch of it, as far as like the top ten in in my opinion, um, it's a bunch of the the names that that we've all you know the Bearcats being uh, accustomed to deep runs in the tournament. It's a it's a bunch of teams that we're we're familiar with seeing. You know, IUP has a, a slew of returners, um, uh, Nova, Southeastern. You know, uh, Coach Crutchfield is going to have a team that. Can run the floor and put up points. We saw that firsthand in um, Evansville a few years back. Um, I really like Northern State this year. Um, we're talking about teams with depth and, and a ton of returners, and Northern State has that. And um, 
Parker Fox is, is just going to be uh, a great player. So I think when, when you're talking about these top 10 teams, there, there are some losses, but the people that they are able to return um, are going to make it very competitive. And I don't think that we'll see a big fall off from the, from those teams that we're familiar seeing making deep runs into the tournament this year. Number two in your power 10, number seven in the NABC is West Liberty, and they're a team that is offense, 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 run, run, run. And it's kind of a clash of styles compared to what we see here at Northwest Missouri State where the Bearcats run their half-court set, do you up in the half-court and slow things down. It's a matchup I've wanted to see for quite a while. Does West Liberty have the gumption and, and a few defensive stomps in them down the stretch that, that they're potentially an elite, elite eight team in your eyes? I think so. I think so. Um, you know, I've always called West Liberty basketball, catch me if you can, right? <laughs> if you have the ball last, that's the, that's the way that you beat West Liberty because those games, like you said, it's just they they run, they're fast, and they, they just have scores. But um, here's another team that's returning all of its starting five as well as two or three key reserves. Um, they're big three. Um, and, and, and keep in mind, the Mountain East is, is a different type of basketball, like you mentioned. It's a fast-paced, and, and so they have scores. Um, but their big three um, it all averaged over 18 points a game last year. Dalton Bolin has been on my radar for uh, four years now. I mean, he's just one of the best pure scorers in all of D2 basketball. Uh, so I think it, it's like you said, it's all about that defense. They have to... Um, come together and, and make that one big defensive run to to make it deep in the tournament. But I do think that they have it in them, and I think that the, the offense will keep them up uh, amongst the best in the, the country all season. Any sleeper from outside your top ten you think will uh, kind of come up and surprise some people this year? Um, I do. I think, uh, you know, I, I said in my, my Power 10, I always have, Last year, I don't even think I had Valdosta State in my preseason twenty top twenty five, and and lo and behold, they were, you know, a top ten team by the end of the year. And they have a few key returners, but they have a very, uh, very intriguing transfer and freshman class. So I think um, they are. I, I may have undervalued them again, <laughs> uh, and I think that they their name will be in the mix. But I think the GLVC uh, is going to be a conference to watch. There are a lot of people high on Missouri St. Louis, and, and to be honest, I have them right there at number 11. They were the first team out for me, and I think they're very good. They have a lot of returners. Um, U Indy is, is in the mix in there, there, but I really like, and this is a team that uh, you guys got to see a few years ago, I, I really like Southern Indiana um, this year. I think they came in at number five on the uh, – on the preseason, NA, 25 on the NABC preseason poll. Um, they have Emmanuel Little, who is a returning. Um, he's All-American caliber. The three top scores are back. Um, I was really tempted to put them in the, my top ten. Uh, they didn't have the greatest season last year, but the, the depth of returners and the quality of the talent that is returning I, if you want a, a sleeper to make the Elite Eight, just like they were a few years back, I, I think that uh, they are definitely a team to watch. All right, and well, I, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time before I let oh you go, boy. Wayne. All right, <laughs> and, and I'm just going to say this is going to be probably purely speculation, unless you know some things that we don't know, and that's fine. You can tell us here on the podcast. We won't tell anybody. Um, we've seen this week that Division One basketball has said 
we're going to try to get the entire NCAA tournament into Indianapolis and play it all within one city to limit the travel and, and COVID-19 spread. Is there any way that Division II tries to adopt something similar or maybe at least saying these are the predetermined spots we're going to go to within eventually convene in one place? You know, it, it's like you said, it's, it's purely speculation. And obviously, um, you know, when, when D1 made the, the announcement, uh, my mind went in 800 different directions. Uh, how's, how's D2 going to do it and what's their approach? But first, first you have to remember that um, the D2 Elite 8, uh, under normal years, last year was a little different because the championship would have been in Atlanta with the Final Four had it gone there. But the D2 um, Elite Eight is already that bubble concept, right? It, it, by the time you get to the Elite Eight, the final eight teams are already playing the, the next three days together. So that's already there. At the D2 level, it's, it's a little different because um, it's so regionalized. So I do think that there is – I don't know that they would, would get this major D2 tournament bubble, but I think they, they could consider a way to do it as you said, predetermined locations and, and, you know, maybe have five or six spots that before we get to the Elite Eight, that's where everybody plays and still maintain that Elite Eight atmosphere um, and and make it a, a special place for those final eight teams. Um, again, pure speculation. Uh, I, I I don't know what, what's coming down the line, but um, there's definitely to pull it off. Um, so I'd be, I'd be interested to see what happens. Well, the last time we got at Elite Eight, and we, we saw you in Evansville, Indiana. So many folks that were local from Indiana came in and watched the ball game. We had a lot of folks from Maryville travel. Not as many from Point Loma because difficult travel from San Diego for that. But it was a right. fantastic atmosphere. Hopefully we get to that point, get at least a few people into the the arena for uh, for an event like that because that was a blast having that in Evansville with so many people there. I mean, I... I... That uh, that Evansville game that they won was still one of the most intense D2 basketball games I've ever got to cover. It's like you said that that place was overflowing <laughs> and it was loud. And it was it, it was just a great atmosphere from the first tip um, all the way to uh, Northwest winning the, the championship. It was a great place for the event and and like you said, I hope we get there and and hope it's the same atmosphere that we saw last time. NCAA basketball, it is finally back. Northwest Missouri State opening up the season this week. Wayne, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us. And let's do this again in March. What do you say? Maybe we'll get a tournament going. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I look forward to it. And, and thank you, as always, for having me on. I love talking D2 basketball. Thanks once again to Wayne Cavati for joining us on Bearcat Rewind. You can find his work on NCAA.com under the D2 Men's Basketball tab. You can also follow him on Twitter. His handle is at Wayne. And in case you missed it, over the last few weeks, our guests have included former linebacker Willie Horn, cross-country coach Nick Gibson, head football coach Rich Wright, former Bearcat running back Xavier Oman, and many, many more, so check those out. We appreciate the intro and outro music produced by Northwest Missouri State Professor Alex Kurt, and thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We will talk to you again next time.